What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's November 12, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 61. In this episode, I'll be talking about how often you should change up your rep schemes or your rep ranges within your workouts. The last topic for today, I'll go over why always eating in a caloric deficit can actually be dangerous for you and why it might not always lead to weight loss. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook, you can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. I need to start this episode off this week talking about hockey because the Blackhawks actually had a pretty good uh, week for a change. First off, the coach was fired. Finally. I've been saying it for a few weeks now that he was on the hot seat and it finally happened. I think at this point, that was already last week or something now, so yeah, I think that was last Saturday. So Jeremy Colladin, see ya! And now for the rest of the season, interim coach Derek King will take over. And the move has actually been pretty good. Like I said, the Blackhawks won their second game of the season, and their third. Let's go! Undefeated under the new coach for now, that has to be a good thing. Some momentum going forward. I'm trying to remember who they beat now. I think uh, the first game was against Nashville. That was on Sunday. And then Flurry was in net for the next win against his former team, the Penguins. That was a few days ago. Much better showing from him, obviously. Even he said his outing last time was embarrassing. But, I mean, the team was in shambles at that point. They lost the first game against the Penguins, like 5-2 to two or something. They just got slapped in that one. Don't look now, but the Blackhawks have three wins, two in a row, and their next game, which is tonight, against the worst team in the league. So they better show up for that one and start taking those wins against the opponents that they should be beating. And, man, before I get off hockey, I already talked about how... Uh, The Blackhawks organization kind of has this dark cloud around them now because of the sexual assault investigation stuff that came out. And they're still trying to settle with Kyle Beach out of court along with another one, uh, John Doe 2. So the NHL, a few weeks ago, they sent out a league-wide memo or something saying that you need to report any kind of misconducts or whatever. Just typical stuff. And that ended up leading to the Pittsburgh Penguins actually setting, uh, settling sorry, a lawsuit that happened with their AHL team. I think it was one of the coaches on that team a few years ago ended up molesting one of the other coaches' wife, something like that. I didn't really dive too deep into this one. This is another situation where they tried to keep people quiet and slide it under the rug, but that didn't work. 
And even the Anaheim Ducks, good old mighty Ducks, they're now looking for a new GM after letting Bob Murray go. He was, uh, he resigned, probably forcefully. He apologized and let go, uh, yeah, he was let go this past week. He reported to some alcohol abuse treatment program. Apparently, he also has some reports of verbal abuse in his past as well. So, yeah, we'll see if there's anything else that comes to light over the next few weeks or months or whenever. But for now, that's enough with the off-ice drama when it comes to hockey. Okay, so my training for the week was actually pretty good. I was working out in the morning on most days of the week, which went good enough. But I actually want to talk about the other workouts I was doing, which was in the middle of the day. I was actually doing these like 20 to 30 minute shorter workouts on some days of the week as well. But I'll get back to that in a sec. All right. So I don't think I actually flat barbell bench this week because I worked on the incline variations for the past few workouts. I hit the hundos on the incline dumbbell bench, which felt pretty heavy at six reps for three sets or something like that. And man, the past uh, few weeks, I've been back to focusing on squatting and I've been working on this constant tension when it comes to squatting and it is absolutely brutal. I got the idea from some Asian bodybuilder on Instagram, but I forgot his name now. I unfollowed him a while back, but I just remember his training was just, just looked immaculate to me. I think this week I only squatted 210 or something like that, but constant tension and with a slower, like three second negative. So on the way down, you take a three count plus no pausing at the top, just up and down with a slow negative. That's been killer for me, but I'm really liking it right now. A new challenge for me. I remember before when I used to do constant tension on squats, I would actually get some pain in, I think it was my left knee, but I wasn't feeling any of that this time around. So that's a good sign. I've been doing it for a few weeks now. I'm going to work on those constant tension squats for probably a few more weeks, at least, uh, I don't know, actually, at least until the end of the month. Actually, I'll probably stop when I can get 225 or two plates for 10 with this new technique. And that's probably going to take me until the end of the year, but that's fine. It's a new training stimulus that I haven't tried in a while. Anyways, okay, I got off track there, but I did want to mention that I've been doing that these uh, shorter workouts throughout the week. So these were workouts where I only had 30 minutes in between clients, so... I figured it would be a good time to get in some accessory movements and some arms. So that usually meant picking three smaller muscles, three or four on the body. And I just tried to do as many sets as possible in about seven to 10 minutes with my three or four exercises. So that meant something like bicep curls or tricep extensions or kickbacks. And I spent some of those days doing lateral raises as well. So again, I just did those movements with minimal rest in between, uh, in between sets, and I just tried my best to get a pump there. Felt pretty good. I usually am really precise with my training lately, like I've been following my plan and my programming to a T, so it was good to just go in there, put on some podcasts instead of the, instead of the uh, usual rap music. 
I just put on some podcasts, tried to get a pump in my arms and shoulders, did that a few times this week. So try it out if you're short on time. And golf season is just about over. I should be hitting up my last session of the year later today, if you're listening to this on Friday. I usually record these Thursday nights, but I usually edit them and then usually upload them right before I leave the house on Friday mornings. I think this one might be a little bit late, actually. So yeah, I usually go to the course after that. So that routine is actually going to stop next week. Today will probably be my last day at the course. So I ended up getting some new golf clubs recently. Well, new to me. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before or not, but a few weeks ago I was playing at Peel Village Golf Course. Shout out to them. It's just a short nine-hole course, and I've been playing every Friday morning for the past two or three months now. It's the cheapest spot in the area near me, and I think it's run by the city, and that's why it's so cheap. So when I used to sign up for the course or any tee times on any course... Um, I usually get paired up with random people since I just sign up by myself as one golfer. I met a few nice people along the way. I remember I had a pairing with these two older ladies one time and that was a great time. Actually, one of the ladies had this motorized golf push cart, which was insane. She told me it was like $1,200 brand new or something. Like, she didn't even have to push the cart, so her bag was on there, and she had some remote control to move the thing forward. It was pretty crazy. I was with this older Asian couple as well. That was also a good time. I remember having a birdie that day. That's why I remember that one. That was at Mayfield. Then eventually, I was paired up with these two senior dudes, and long story short, After that round, we ended up exchanging numbers and emails, and we got into a routine where every Thursday or Friday we'd play a round, and there'd be three of us. That went well uh, for a bit, and then it got cold and rainy here the past six weeks or so, and when that happens, the golf carts aren't available. So one of the guys has been MIA for a few weeks now since he can't use a golf cart and he doesn't want to walk but I'm sure I'll see him uh, next year again. But that means for a while now, it's been me and this older white gentleman going out to the course every Friday. It's been a great time. And getting on with the story, I think it was two weeks ago, we ended up having our usual 9.30 or 9.50 tea time, somewhere in between that range. But This time, we were paired up with someone who actually works at the golf course, and he was wearing a staff shirt and some heavy-duty boots, but man, he was actually pretty sick. So throughout the round, I was using my 9-iron to chip. Man, I'm so sorry if I've told this story on here before. I've just told it so many times at this point, I actually forget if I talked about it on here already. So anyways, I was using my 9-iron to do these chip shots, which are just those shorter shots around the green. Now, usually you would have these other golf clubs for that type of shot. They're called wedges. I don't know why they're called that, but I know that they have a higher degree angle when it comes to the club face, and that helps you hit the ball higher with a higher trajectory, something like that. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but that's the scope of my knowledge when it comes to golf clubs. 
Anyways, I was using my 9-iron to chip my shots, which apparently makes things a lot more difficult, but that's all I could use since that would be my highest degree club. Anyways, okay, the staff member actually noticed this, and he was like, you know what, remind me, at the end of the round, we'll go look through the lost and found and we'll see if you, we can get you some clubs. Obviously, I was like, alright, that's awesome. They apparently just throw those clubs out, or even recycle them, so, I mean, I might as well grab a few, right? So, like he said, after the round we played, uh, he ended up grabbing like five or six clubs for me to choose from, so... I picked two clubs, and I got to play with them for the first time last week. And those new clubs turned out to be pretty good. Well, actually, I only got to try the 52-degree pitching wedge so far, but I actually hit some decent shots with that one. I couldn't make this birdie opportunity since it's fall season over here. I landed this shot within like 15 to 20 feet or so, and... Probably could have made a better putt if the green wasn't littered with so many leaves. But that's not really a big deal to me. I'm just out there to relax, have some fun, get my cardio in. So, I'm not complaining, but golf season looks to be over after today. So, maybe I'll hit up some virtual spots for the winter. Just so I don't completely forget how to swing a club. And eh, we'll see, maybe once a month or so. So, moving on from that, Dexter, my favorite TV show, is back. I don't even know how many years it's been off the air, but I've said before that the original writers of the show are back writing this season, called New Blood. I heard there were 2.2 million viewers for the season premiere, so good start for that show. For I believe that's on Showtime. That's on every Sunday night, but I watch it sometime on Monday because I don't have the channel, plus it's past my bedtime. But yeah, that first episode has me even more excited for what's to come. That's probably my favorite show with Breaking Bad in second place. I mean, if you don't count The Office. And Disney Plus, you all probably know that streaming service, right? Well, they recently had their latest update on their subscribers worldwide. And I knew they were big, but I didn't know they were this big. How long has it been now? Maybe two, I don't know, probably three years since they launched the service. And this quarter, they missed the Wall Street predictions or whatever. They added only two million subs, I think, if I read that correctly. But now they're at 118 million subscribers total. That's just insane. So some quick maths. Uh, I think Disney Plus is $8 a month. Multiply that by $118 million, That's $944 million. I did this math beforehand. Uh, that's $944 million a month for this streaming service that they just rake in, which is insane. That's almost a billion dollars coming in from Disney Plus. That's nutty. Oh, also, um, Disney actually has nearly 180 million subs to their streaming services, if you include ESPN Plus and Hulu, which is, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about that. They're still behind Netflix, which is right around 215 million, but I'm sure they'll catch up to them pretty soon. Disney already owns everything, and I'm sure they're going to take first place position in a year or two, probably less. 
Question one, how often should you change your rep scheme? Okay, so this is actually something pretty important. So let's go over a bit about what this even means. So by rep scheme, we're talking about when you're in the gym, how many reps are you doing per exercise? And you've probably heard that something like doing three to six reps on your exercises will build strength, eight to 12 rep range is for hypertrophy and actually growing the muscles while maybe 15 plus reps is for endurance purposes. Now that does have some truth to it, but Realistically, all rep ranges between 3 to 20 reps will build muscle as long as you're pushing yourself hard enough. Again, to that RPE 8 or 2RIR, which is reps in reserve, or 2 reps left in the tank. All sets between 3 to 20 will build muscle and you'll gain strength too. Now, the lower reps have been shown to increase your strength quicker than higher reps would though but best believe you'll be building some muscle along the way. And the same is true for the hypertrophy rep range as well. Studies do show that doing your sets between 8 to 12 reps will build more muscle. You'll pack on more muscle, but you'll also get stronger there as well. But the thing is, this question is about how often you should change up your rep scheme or your rep range within your workouts. And you should actually change it pretty often because... What happens is when you stay in a rep range for too long, you'll start to lose those effects that we talked about earlier. Just like in the next topic, a lot of the answers here is your body is going to adapt. So in this case, your body is going to adapt to this whatever kind of training you throw at it. So let's say you're looking to build muscle and strength, working in that three to six rep range. So your program involves squatting for four sets where you're doing five reps each time. That's going to go pretty well for a while. You might notice strength to increase pretty quickly. So one week you're squatting 225 for five reps. You felt strong. So the next week you bump it up to 230 pounds the next week. A five pound increase for five reps. That's pretty good. Again, that felt good. So you're able to do 235 pounds the next week. Another increase of five pounds for another five reps. Eventually, though, you're going to hit some kind of plateau on the way. You're not just going to increase your lifts by 5 pounds every single week. I mean, if that were possible, since there's more than 50 weeks in a year, 52, uh, if you were to theoretically increase one of your lifts by 5 pounds every single week for a whole year, that would mean a 250-pound increase on a squat for... Uh, yeah, for a squat or a deadlift or even a bench press. Imagine going up 250 pounds in one year. That would be insane. And that could be possible if you're completely new or enhanced, but you would have to have some kind of special genetics there. Realistically, not all of us are going to have those genes. So with all that being said, I think a good idea would be to switch up your rep range every 4 to 12 weeks. I think that would be ideal. Actually, maybe even actually six weeks at the lowest, since you'll actually probably need one or two weeks. You'll probably need a few sessions to even get used to the new rep range that you're working in or to establish some kind of equilibrium. I don't even know if that's the right word, but some kind of baseline to start your training at. 
You might need a week or two to figure out exactly where your strength is at, and you could do that by tracking your workouts, of course. Now, that 6 to 12 uh, week mark, every time you should change your rep range around 6 to 12 weeks, that's a pretty good strategy in most cases. But I do think a more accurate representation would be to change up your rep range as soon as you plateau or sense that you're about to plateau. You should really stop right before you plateau when it comes to the gains uh, you feel like you're getting from whatever rep range you're working in. So again, if you're working in a five rep uh, rep range, again, building strength and muscle, you're going up five pounds a week for, let's say, four weeks in a row at this point, you could keep on going until that strength starts to slow down a little bit. So maybe you're only gaining five pounds every two weeks or something. That's not bad. Honestly, gaining even five pounds on your lifts every month is not even that bad. But I think that when the strength or your progress just starts to stall, that's when you should uh, you should probably look into switching up your rep range or your rep schemes before you truly hit that plateau. You don't want to become stagnant for too long because that could make things more difficult going forward. Now, when I'm working with my clients, they're usually older in age and have less years of training experience under their belts. Maybe they have some mobility issues. In this case, my programming for them is still generally strength-based. Their goals are to get stronger. That's going to help them live more independently in their own life for a longer amount of time. And in this case, I'll stick to a certain rep range, usually a bit longer than what I recommend for most people. Again, they are older and strength is something that can take a long time to build, so it does require a lot of patience. So usually an indicator for them I like to use is um, we don't really push too hard or anything. We don't really push the needle when it comes to training until I see that that weight that I give for them, like it's good enough for them to do on their own. So I don't really change anything unless it's to the point where I can trust them alone with that weight. For the younger clients, we can usually figure it out pretty quickly and we can change up the rep range. Like I said, every 6 to 12 weeks should be okay. So, alright, to recap, yeah, most of your training days, your exercises, at least for your compound lifts, they should all be in a similar rep range. Stick with that for a few weeks, maybe up to 3 months or so, and switch things up before your progress stalls. Again, if you're tracking your workouts, this becomes pretty easy to see. Uh, You're able to see, yeah, if you're getting stronger or if you're getting weaker, which is the opposite of what we want to happen. Question two, why always eating in a caloric deficit is dangerous and won't always lead to weight loss? You've heard me talk about it time and time again. And you've probably seen it everywhere when it comes to calories and weight loss. Weight loss is pretty simple on paper. You just need to eat less calories than your maintenance levels. That means you need to be in some kind of caloric deficit in order to lose weight or body fat. That's because when you're eating in a caloric deficit, your body has to tap in and start using your stored energy to function, which is the body fat that you have on your body. The thing is, people hear this and believe the best way to do this is to just eat as little as possible, 
maybe have a salad throughout the day, skip some meals or whatever other strategies to be in that caloric deficit to lose weight. That probably also means lots of cardio or even going straight to running, which is pretty dangerous. And especially when you haven't done that in decades, that could lead to some kind of lower body injury. Here's the thing. Your body will adapt to what you're eating and it's going to want to be more efficient on the calories you're eating. So if you're eating 1,200 calories, maybe that's 700 calories below maintenance. Yeah, you might be losing one to two pounds a week for a while, maybe a week or maybe even a month. And then you're feeling good after a month. You're down five to 10 pounds eating 1,200 calories. But then you notice the week after, same diet and everything. Maybe you start to even out at whatever weight you're at. Then you start to question why that's happening. Well, now your brain and your body, they go into survival mode since it knows that this person is only going to consume such a low amount of calories, 1200 in this case, your body is going to be want to, uh, it's going to be want to, it's going to be want to, it's going to want to be more efficient. There you go. And it's actually not going to want to burn as much body fat as it normally would. And since body fat is actually stored energy, so now your brain is going to send the signal to the rest of your body to actually just work more efficiently. And because your body is adapting, that's going to lead to a slower metabolism. I think the studies show that it could slow down by up to 20%, which is huge. That's hundreds of calories. And that's due to a bunch of reasons. Losing muscle is just one of the major factors. Why is this bad? Well, if your maintenance calories or the calories you need to maintain or keep your body weight the same, let's just say that if your maintenance calories are at 1500 right now and you constantly eat low calories, maybe something like 1000 to 1200 calories, which actually isn't that rare, that 1500 calorie uh, maintenance level could actually slow down up to 300 calories, which means that your maintenance calories could eventually be something like 1200 calories after a few months of you eating low calories since you've been trying to lose weight for such a long time. That means you now have to constantly eat under that amount of calories, which is going to be pretty tough seeing how in today's world, that's like one takeout meal and it's not really sustainable with all of this readily available food we have around us. And in the long run, it's going to make it very difficult for you to lose weight while maintaining a normal lifestyle. Eating lower calories all the time means you're probably not getting enough protein in you. Carbs you can actually live without completely, and that's because they're not essential. But avoiding them completely is pretty much impossible. Protein and also fats are essential things that need to be in your diet to live a healthier life. Protein is important for muscles, yeah, but I've mentioned it before. It's actually used to keep your skin and hair in good condition, and protein is used for hundreds of functions within the body, things that happen on a molecular level. It doesn't just only make your muscles bigger. Another point against always trying to eat in a lower calorie diet is the amount of nutrients you might be getting in or lack thereof. Now, if you're using something like MyFitnessPal, 
The main metrics there are protein, carbs, and fats, which are macronutrients, but there isn't as much emphasis when it comes to micronutrients, which could include some essentials like vitamin B12 or vitamin A, which is important for immune function, which I'll talk about later. You could also be lacking in iron or even calcium, which helps the bones. If you're constantly focused on eating low calories, this could be dangerous because you're likely going to be missing out on some of these essential nutrients that your body needs. Another reason why you shouldn't just stay in a calorie uh, deficit all the time, and it's pretty obvious, it's going to cause you to feel weaker. It'll weaken your muscles, you'll have less energy, and even your bones could take a hit there. If you're in that deficit for too long, your estrogen and testosterone levels could drop, which could lead to reduced bone formation. Eating low calories constantly weakens you as a whole because you're eating a minimal amount of food all the time, which means you have less energy for daily life. That in turn could affect the way you feel on a daily basis, so you could be prone to more fatigue throughout the day. Even when it comes to your brain functioning, I highly doubt you're going to be thinking straight or as sharp as you usually are. Being hangry, that's a real thing. You're not going to be your best self if you're constantly eating in a low-calorie diet. And the last thing is lower immune system function. This is pretty clear, actually. In an extreme case, you'll see this in bodybuilding as they cut to stage weight, 3-6% to 6 body fat, or whatever it may be. Towards the end there of their prep, uh, there's actually a pretty high chance that this person is going to get sick. Now, again, this is an extreme case of cutting and being in a low-calorie di uh, diet for a lengthy period of time so that you can look good for the stage. But getting there is a tough journey, and this is just one of the hurdles to look out for. If you're not careful, you could get sick. This is due to the fact that your body's immune system isn't working to the best of their ability. Your body is going to use its energy to actually get you to function every day, leaving limited calories or energy for your other functions like your immune system working properly, and your brain and other stuff may take a hit as well. So when it comes to losing weight, yes, a calorie deficit is necessary for that to happen, but if that's been your goal for a long time, if you've been trying to eat low calories for months and notice some of these side effects, then it could be time to take a step back and switch up the plan a little bit. My advice, build up some muscle, resistance training, and that'll build up that metabolism. And in the long run, you won't need to go into such an extremely low calorie diet in order to lose weight because your body will just be burning off more body, f uh, body fat on the daily. I almost said body fat there. <laughs> that means that in a few months time, you could be losing weight eating 1500 calories instead of just starving yourself and only having something like a thousand calories a day and seeing minimal results due to your body adapting and basically fighting for survival. And that concludes episode 61 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, 
then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. <laughs>